best friend. I'm Christina and with me are Vijaya, Steph, and Sarah. Hello! And today we will be talking about the dopest possible episode thus far. Best episode yet. Yes. Just so many things. Uh, Steph, you have notes and Sarah, you have also notes and questions. Do you want to question? Notes, questions, comments. I have all sorts of stuff. I think that just from Sarah's reaction from your introduction, you and uh, Seth think that this is the best episode. And Sarah and I are like, this is a good yeah, that's episode. A, that's literally, that's literally, I was like, it was, it was, it was good. I enjoyed good. it. It was fine. It was the opposite of last week. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna cut all of that and reintroduce this as the no, episode that keep was. No, all of this in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, wait. So, okay, Sarah. <laughs> I, then I'm curious what your reaction was since you don't have any preconceived notions about what this episode should have been. I thought it was good. I felt like I I thought it was good. I don't know. I can't decide. There wasn't anything extraordinary. There wasn't a moment where I felt like there was a huge emotional. The only time I got emotional was when poor little baby Roger cried because his little eyeballs are as big as his face. (laughs) (laughs) Those bullfanger clothes are doing him no favors. He's he's so British. I was like, oh my God, your little British eyeballs are going to pop right out of your head. So already we know that Sarah's rating for this is a pug dog. It is. It is is 100% a pug dog. Just the biggest eyeballs. She's also very um, biased because her um, my nieces. my little dog nieces, my dog nieces are are pug mixes, mm-hmm. so they all got they got Aww. the eyeballs everywhere. They're very cute, precious babies, precious little baby angles. But no, it was good. I I just don't think it was my favorite episode. Okay, yeah. I don't know, Bajaya, if you felt the same way. I just thought that the um, the part in Ballvanger was um, rushed. Because I thought that was very emotional mm. for me when I was reading the book. Um, so I just, because of that, it was not as great. But uh, I didn't think it was that great. Plus, there was no James McAvoy in it. <laughs> <laughs> there was still, the, I literally, at one point, I wrote mountains equal McAvoy. Because we're like going over all these mountains and mountains. I was like, oh, are we traveling to see James McAvoy? <laughs> and then it was... It was Lynn, which was fine. I wasn't sad about that. I just was like, oh no, not there yet. I, I think I think still not there. I think that that's I think that that's kind of what it was. Is what it felt a little bit like bottle episodey to me, and that it was all in the prison, which is fine, or prison, like the child's detention center, whatever you want to call it. Um, let's call it kids in cages. Let's yeah, you know, let's like call America. it apple and apple. Yeah, kids in cages, because it kind of was. Um, I just felt like they didn't, I felt like I knew exactly what was going to happen from beginning to end. There were no surprises, mm-hmm. um, at all. Like, I knew that the Egyptians were going to be there, I knew that they were going to fight, you knew that they were going to be victorious, which is not to say it was bad, but I just felt like there wasn't a lot of, um, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of suspense for me, or, like, unexpected okay. turns, and I don't know, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. I just thought they could have spent, like, we only have two more episodes from now to finish the season. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. still continuing to put Will in here. And we still have to finish the first, I guess, book. The Will the will part was totally unnecessary yeah, and weird. Like, was, I don't know why yeah. they cut to that or why they I cut that. I think back. it was just a, a reminder. It's like, he exists. He's still here. The only all caps I have for this episode is hot priest. <laughs> yes, we actually got to see in here the hot priest. God bless you, Andrew Scott, and congratulations on your Golden Globe nomination, you beautiful baby angel. Oh. Mine was Moriarty. Well, there you go. <laughs> he is so good. Yeah, he did. He got nominated for a Golden Globe today. What a dude! They're just trying to get trying to get the the viewers up, you know. <laughs> I just didn't think that that should have been included, and I was just like, eh, you know, 
We could have sped all of this up. We only have eight episodes. There was no reason for that part to be included. I was waiting for it to pay off at some point in the episode, and it didn't remotely. Yeah, so I think my only, like, major complaint about the episode is that it was really rushed. Like, they tried to cram a lot into this episode, like, the Will stuff, and, like, we did not need the scene with the guys hanging outside the house. Yeah. Nope. (laughs) Zero. and And then the end bit, too, like... We did not know, like, Christina and I were talking about this before we recorded, like, you don't need to end every single episode with Lyra in a dangerous cliffhanger. (laughs) A mortal peril is the only way to get me to tune in. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Although, I love leaving an episode with a shot of Lin-Manuel's face, so I I don't know. It was pretty good. You make an excellent point, and I reverse my previous opinion but they could have just done him they could have just done him like going up into the air like i thought that was actually like a pretty good way to end an episode that's true i thought they they could have ended it on the bit where his demon is sassing that him that was like, very oh, so good they want you to that do was this very good. it's like shut up yes. that would have been a great ending point his his screen time was very brief this episode but boy was it sweet and good it was like a warm hug he makes the most of every shot yeah he was the beautiful chocolate drizzle on the croissant of this episode. I did write, I did wrote Lee Scoresby plus Asriel. Huh? I mean, just, just a thought. I'm just writing, I'm just writing my own fan fiction as we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'll read it. All right. So do we want to go through the episode? Cause I have one specific thing to say. I'm, I'm sorry. I, th- I meant to say Pacific Ocean to say. Um, Whoa. Oh. The very creepy lady that was a nurse who had the smile and then she just yeah. mm-hmm. was flat after that and then she didn't have mm-hmm. a demon. So she had her demon cut, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one she is that the one he talks to at the end? Yeah. The, none of the nurses have demons. The doctors do, but the nurses don't. Which is impossible to tell because you don't see the kids' demons yes. either. That's my biggest problem. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a comment about that same nurse, other than the fact that she looked like one of my former roommates. Oh. Um, but oh God, I'm so sorry. She was a nice person. Was she also a robot? She was not, but she was. She looked like her, though. Um, no. The Why, if all Lyra had to do was say, what was your demon's name? Like, that's all she had to do to make her, like, break. How did she not break? How is she not triggered all the time at work from all those demons all around her? How is that what did it? I don't know. It just felt very contrived. I think it, I think she was constantly triggered. Okay. Yeah. So when, when someone has to snap their fingers in front of her face, that's her trying to get back. Like, she's not looking at the room, yeah. mm. but she's trying to access that part of her brain that doesn't exist anymore mm. or her soul. Okay. Okay, it just felt, I was like, I was like, okay. But I, I mean, I agree with you. It's a little pat, but I found the emotional impact pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I'm not complaining yeah. about it. I really loved uh, the whole tone they set at Bullvanger in this episode. Like, and maybe, and then, I mean, Sarah, you were saying you, you didn't feel super suspensey because you knew, you knew it was right. going to happen. But like, I felt like they set a really good, like, tense tone. Like, it actually reminded me a lot of watching uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Like, that very, like, the kids are like in that sense like you're constantly watched you're constantly supervised like you need you're trying to raise some sort of resistance or do something but like you are constantly like under supervision and i i felt like they struck that tone really well it was very stark very bleak um so i really really enjoyed the mood of this episode also there was a literal handmaid's reference when roger comes back with all the kids in the red cloaks yeah guys yeah, definitely using color a lot uh, in this episode. Guys, calm down. Um, I, I did, I will say that my first note actually in this episode was that, and I have to, I had to kind of go back and revise it because of their bad CGI um, decisions, but I wrote that I liked how cha- how quiet and unchaotic the room, the dining or the cafeteria room with the kids was. I said, because there are no demons, and then I realized that they were supposed to have demons because <laughs> Roger still had his, and I said, wait, they still do. Yeah. I said, but I guess it's about like order, and even with their demons, their demons are behaving themselves. So it's incredibly, as opposed to any other scene in that show, it's so quiet and contained. And part of that is mm-hmm. the 
part of that is that no one's talking, whereas with, like, the Egyptians, everyone's talking all the time. But I think part of that, too, is, like, an editorial choice not to put even any sort of background noises or anything in, you know? Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't notice that, but that's true, isn't it? Yeah, it was very, it was very, it was, like, very quiet in comparison to any other part of the show. So yeah. when I was reading the book, I actually imagined the um, scene to be way more dire and um, sad than it looked in the show. If that makes sense, like I thought it mm. would be like, like more, I I don't know, broken apart or like, uh, colder and like less hospitable mm. than it looked. Mm. It, I mean, it was very concretey, but it also kind of looked warm. Like they had, they at least had that fake. They had that fake window with the palm trees <laughs> outside of it. They have a, a terrible carbon footprint, though, because they have all those heaters running outside in the Arctic. I loved that detail. Oh my god! I actually, actually was, I actually was also noticing too that their like faculty lounge, for lack of a better word, is also really shitty. I was like, why would you take this job in the middle of nowhere if you don't even have a nice place to sit? I understand making the kids live in squalor, but like you couldn't get a nice couch and a TV for like the lounge. I don't know. <laughs> that was rough. Look, if it's not tenure track. I mean, you just got to take what you can get. Yeah, right? <laughs> They're like, sorry, guys. You haven't published anything. The one doctor <laughs> that uh, questioned all of it was Asian. So I'm just going to say that. It's true. Yeah, but he was also That's just true. following yeah, orders. I was like, that was not my and, and like, used that line. Like, they all were like nurses, except for him, who was a doctor. I was like, oh, there's only one male doctor, no, and he's no, Indian? The other lady was a doctor. Was the lady doctor yeah. was in charge. Oh, she was a doctor. I thought she was just like the head of the place. I didn't think she actually had any sort of doctoral or... Um, no, she was a doctor. No, they, they call her doctor in the last episode, I think, at the end. She only gets, she only has a PhD in dentistry. Sorry. Come on, Sarah. I think she had a stethoscope. That makes her a doctor. Also, all the nurses are supposed to be nuns as well, because it's the magisterium. So yes. they're supposed to be... I, I felt like they were leaning into the uh, nuns are creepy trope a little bit too much. Mm. I didn't actually, I didn't actually, I knew there was a magisterium, but I didn't read them as nuns. Yeah, they they definitely went for the sterile hospital vibe. I was kind of surprised because they are supposed to be like religious. Now that you mention that, it makes sense. But yeah, yeah. But the magisterium is also not actually that overtly religious. It's much more like bureaucratic. Yeah. As you all know, I watched the movie and everyone (laughs) leveled that criticism at the movie. And they were like, it's not critical enough. And like the show is not super critical of religion either so far it's like oh the magisterium you're right it's bureaucratic but it's like no nuns have been hitting children with rulers like they did my parents so (laughs) that's true they're just severing souls with a giant guillotine oh also me because i went to catholic school did you get hurt by rulers i'm sorry yeah oh and my hands not my butt but yeah To be fair, only my uncle got walloped and he kind of deserved it. So. <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Gil. <laughs> I didn't deserve it. Uh, but actually, I was, I was actually thinking that this was um, in terms of in terms of the criticism of Catholicism or the the organized church. I felt like this was one of the stronger episodes in terms of criticism because it was like so obvious that they equate demons and like the dust that they that they yeah create perpetuate i don't know so however yeah Mm -hmm. that little scene with the two doctors was actually really good and really useful for like Mm -hmm. showing a little bit more about like what they're trying to do and what their internal motivations for it are and like what they think that they're trying to accomplish right and and even when even when mrs coulter talks to lyra it's clear that they they that the the demons are associated there's like the original it's like the original sin right they're the original sin they're what you Mm -hmm. need to cleanse yourself of and even though it's part of you it's bad right yeah exactly i i liked that scene with the doctors too i mean i know that because mm-hmm. that was just that was the first time that exposition didn't feel incredibly clunky yeah, yeah it was really well done like this this episode actually did a really good job of lyra's commenting about dust and then the doctor doesn't want to talk to her about it and like there there was more subtlety so i was really happy with that I like lyra has zero chill though she's just like y'all look for dust <laughs> They're all severing children from their demons? <laughs> bitch, you want some dust, bitch? And he's like, how do you know that? She's like, oh. <laughs> I just do. Someone, to- someone mm. told me. Yeah, like, what? Okay. I kind of like it. Someone did tell her. 
right? That's true. She's not wrong. Yeah. A girl did, even. Yeah, right? Her, her mother, but, you know. Sure. Exactly. Her dad, also, where is he? <laughs> JK. This this episode gets zero sweater vests. Yeah. Out of five. Zero sweater vests. Mm. The return of Mrs. Coulter, though. Holy shit. Ruth Wilson, killing it. All the time, forever, yeah. always. I mean, I, I'm going to make the comment about her hair that I want her hair and her wardrobe. Just like, I, that's like just mm-hmm. a blanket statement, but her hair was perfect this episode, which I know is not the most significant and meaningful commentary, but it was. No, it's good. No, but it is meaningful because she's always in control, except when she's not. True. And like, True. But not her golden monkey. No. Right. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah, so it's when she lets Monkey Coulter out and she's screaming up against a door. I love that scene. I thought, though, that I do think that, that, that this episode was one of the stronger ones to show sort of her relationship to Lyra and not necessarily her actual relationship that she's established, but her relationship as her mother. And almost what she wishes she had. Right, you can tell that they're related. Yeah. Finally. Oh, yeah, because they, like, both were screaming on either side of the door, and I was like, what a good little parallel right there. That's fun. I I understand Mrs. Coulter's motivations so much more in the show than I do mm-hmm. in the book. Like, mm-hmm. she is yes. doing such a good job of portraying mm-hmm. that. Like, the scene where she's explaining dust and cutting demons and sin to Lyra, like, mm-hmm. you totally understand that, like, she... She feels like all of the trouble in her life has come from like her following her demon, you know, bad impulses mm-hmm. and her sin and things like that. And like she's staring right at her illegitimate daughter and just being like, I wish, you know, like that I could get rid of this or I could have saved myself from this and save people from this. Like she really believes. Yes. And you get that so much more than you do in the book, which, and I get, we've talked about like the books from Lyra's perspective, you don't get it as much. But, like, again, like, Ruth Wilson is just adding so much more depth and gray to this character. And she is portraying it so, so well. Well, and it's – and it's the, the moment, obviously, where she she saves her from being separated from Pan. You really – you really get a genuine sense. Even before when you thought that she could potentially really have real true love for her daughter – you always question her motives, but I think that in that moment you really felt like there was at least a bare, you know, very sort of primal connection to her daughter, and mm-hmm. um, and and it reads to a lot of the hypocrisy that exists in anything. But if we're gonna say religion, religion, where you know people who, you know, some of us have family members who had wild youth who now are have been quote unquote saved and they feel that that is much better for them and their families because they're in you know they did stuff that they regret when they were younger even though now they have they you know they live this life that maybe is a little bit hypocritical and when she's saying oh you and your friends will be safe and not thinking about what that means for other children kind of thing it's just this whole you like you said you can see where she's coming from i loved how how utterly evil that was just tossing off those lines it really it did so much for the character and so much for the show for her to be like you it you know don't worry you personally are fine and it says so much about mrs coulter who needs to personally be fine and doesn't care what other people yeah, think. yeah like we are better than right them. exactly right. but i think i think that it also in a weird way made her kind of more human because it's kind of it's not that she's i mean she's doing this stuff obviously willingly she thinks it's for quote unquote the greater good mm-hmm. but i do think that that compartment like sort of she, you can i think you can really tell this one that she's really compartmentalizing all of it you know like she realizes i think that she what she's saying but at the same time doesn't care and it's sort of more evil but also sort of more human i don't know it's not she's not it's it's complex yeah, yeah. it's much more complex she's not just a cartoonishly evil figure right she's not doing this because like oh i hate children yeah and you can't you can't identify like no one's asking viewers to identify with her zealotry like, right no one from the beginning is like get on board with this this might be okay but to get on board with her being like, I'll find the ones who are responsible for hurting your friends specifically. And yeah. then Lyra comes back mm-hmm. with, you, you were the one. 
Which was a good yeah. line, too. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> that, that's and, like, you. what about all of these other kids? Right. right. Like, but, I mean, you know, it's the it's the whole mental, like, sort of mentality that you have to sacrifice some people, you know, to make mm-hmm. change. And I think that she really, truly believes that, like you said, it's it, it's helpful to separate people from their demons mm-hmm. if it's going to, like, obviously, after, when they hit puberty, she was saying, it's a good voice when you're little, but then once you hit puberty, it's bad. And which leads me to believe, like, I wonder if when you're a teenager, your demon is just whispering all sorts of shit in your ear, like, go smoke some crack. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Go do some heroin. Go make out with him behind the bleachers. Like, I love the idea of teen demons, demons whispering all of your terrible puberty urges to you. I thought they're religion or like society part of it was also like because she she, didn't she say like i didn't really want you when i had to have you Mm. and but i had to have you and then i had to give you away but now i want you yeah there were a lot of complex feelings there for lyra to parse i yeah i like that yet again hbo just fucking loves twists so they didn't really set up the fact that lyra's being sneaky while she's doing that and Lyra is supposed yeah. to be the sneakiest. Um, yeah. But. That was very heavy. Yeah, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, too, like, Mrs. Coulter likes the idea of Lyra. Right, she mm. wants a mini-me. Because yes. she likes yes. she likes Lyra when she's a, a nice, cute reflection of herself. But she, I mean, like, we've seen her be very cruel to Lyra anytime she is anything outside of what Mrs. Coulter, you know, sort of probably imagined her daughter would be. Mm-hmm. And when anytime she's a a person instead of like a doll, uh, she can't handle that. So I think it's, yeah, that scene was super interesting where she was like, well, I didn't, but now I do. But we've also seen the way that she treats Lyra Mm -hmm. and, and the, the way she wants her to be. You do wonder, you do wonder how she was treated when she was pregnant with her too. Like if there's a huge, I would watch that prequel. uh, Yeah. Right. If there's a huge religious, you know, sort of oligarchy, who's incredibly, adverse to any sort of sin to the point where they think part of your soul is a sin i can imagine she probably was treated pretty terribly and perhaps she even feels like this horrible whatever she's doing for the magisterium is sort of her repentance i don't know i mean maybe that's me reading way too much into it no i think that's exactly right maybe that and maybe a little bit of revenge yeah i think that's probably true or proof that she belongs like, she wants to be back in the fold. Right. She just wants to be. Yeah, I'll, I'll show yes. you. Yes. Yeah, I know, I think that's totally right. And I, I 100% would watch that prequel, for sure. Yeah. And I would also watch the prequel where, so this is the first moment when I thought to myself, when she's crawling through the vents, and she's, like, screaming at the door, this is the first moment I was like, oh, Lord Azrael liked you for a reason. It wasn't just that you were pretty. Like, you both mm. are a little crazy. Yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. like... Oh, and it's kind of helpful in a way. It's like your romance was bad and terrible and people died. But like, yeah, it had a high body count, that romance. Yeah, I mean, just makes it more epic. I'm just kidding. But no, and and you're right. And like when you're saying like the she's crawling through the ducts, it's also you really see Lyra and her and vice versa. You know, you can see like, oh, she is her daughter. That makes sense. Not that you didn't necessarily see it before because I think that it's very clear that Mrs. Coulter is incredibly brilliant and Lyra is clearly brilliant, but I think that you could sort of see their ingenuity. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're both very clever. Yes. Like, quick thinking. Yes. And just willing to get their hands dirty. Like mm. the whole thing with the magisterium, no one else is willing to, to do it and take either the risks or the punishments that are associated with this kind of experimentation. Mm-hmm. So in a way, like it is very impressive that Mrs. Coulter has done it. I mean, evil, evil but as hell. Yes. If, but she, impressive. if she, if she genuinely believes that she's saving souls, like it is, you have to look at it in several lights at least. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't really, I guess, know her true motive, but it seemed when she was having that conversation with Lyra that she really did, believe in the mission you know maybe not the maybe not the methods but the mission for sure yeah i think that's fair so i have a question and and this is mostly because so i just reread the book but i don't remember and maybe christina or bajai remember i probably don't did did the book touch on the kids at bolvanger who had had their demons cut like because we there's definitely a 
scene where they find all the demons mm-hmm. and the the witch demon is actually Serafina Pecola's demon is actually there with them and he lets them go and he like takes them all with him. But I don't remember what happened to the kids. I don't remember either. I don't remember the kids. I remember the the demons. Yeah. Themselves. And I thought that was my one um uh, I guess uh, I that's what I hated about this episode is I think they put too much effort into the last like four or five episodes and they rushed this episode. Mm. But um, I thought that they could have maybe spent a little more time on um, spending on getting the demons out of uh, this episode. If that makes sense. Like, exploring the relationship with the demons or just getting the severed demons away? Severed demons away mm-hmm. and how, like, because I, I, so my uh, one, I hate that they have not explored the relationship between the character and the demon. It's, it's a real sore point. Yeah. And, and not exploring the fact that she went into the lab and, like, really put too much time into finding like the demons and how sad they were. And they were, cause in the book, they're like, where is my person? Where, it, where are they? Mm-hmm. They're so sad. I think yeah. I got that. Little pale things and they're bumping into walls and stuff. That's what they were in the episode too. That one poor little rabbit was hitting its head against the wall. That yeah. made me real sad. I just thought that it could have been better. Portrayed. I, I will say that as a as a, as a as an outsider, I get from the show. Even if I hadn't talked to you all, I get from the show that the relationship between a person and their demon is important because that is essentially what this whole you know series of adventures has been based on, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't think that there's really been a moment where. I feel like I completely understand why that is. And I don't know if there's an explanation for why that is per se, but there's not even a, there hasn't been an even an emotional moment of connection. I think the closest that we got is when Billy died and it was so, so sad. There was, there hasn't been a huge emotional moment where I think, Oh, this having a demon is other than being your life force sort of is an important creature to you. You know, I, I don't know. I'm missing, I'm missing, yeah. Though basically I'm missing I'm missing a major foundation of it, you know? I think that's the point though. So because you're missing that, you don't understand why the demons are so uh important to the people. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that I, I understand on a logical level that they are important because it keeps that person alive and also that's the whole point of the show. But I'm not I'm not seeing it or feeling it, even though I understand it. Right. Like when Lyra and Pan were in the machine, you weren't really like, yes. Oh. No. Yeah. You know it's important, but you don't feel it's important. Yeah. Well, one, one, you knew that Mrs. Coulter was there. I'm like, oh, Mrs. Coulter's going to come in. But then also I was like, it, there, yeah, you're just, I mean, it would have been sad because she would have died, but it's it's more of a mortality instead of a death of your being, if that makes sense. I, I will say, like, I got a, I, I had a very emotional response to the scene at the end where, like, Roger brings out all the severed kids mm-hmm. and they're in the red blankets and everybody kind of starts hugging them. Yeah. But, I mean, that really... It's more about the kids. Had nothing yeah. to do with demons there. They could have just been regular old abused kids getting hugs yeah. and I would have had the same reaction. Why do they have to shave all their heads? Because it's a medical... I don't know. Maybe because they don't take care of their hair. I think they were just trying to show that they were, like, abused or, you know. But it was only the ones who had their demons severed that had shaved heads. They're like, your demon's gone. You don't get hair either. (laughs) I I think, somehow I feel like I remember hearing something as, like, once they're severed, too, they're like zombies and they don't take care of themselves. So they, like, oh, they cut the hair sense. because they don't, the kids aren't brushing their hair oh, okay. anymore. Okay, that, that makes sense. So, I, and they don't want to, like, that. have to take care of them. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I buy that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I think it's a shame because I think that the book really makes you feel that relationship because your demon mm-hmm. isn't just your life force in terms of, like, an animating sort of, like, not, like, like, non-sentient like chi it's not Mm -hmm. 
is not just there. It's your best friend. Mm -hmm. Like when I was growing up, I always wanted a twin. And then when I read these books, it's like, no, I actually want a demon. Like I just want Mm -hmm. someone to always be there for me specifically. Like Mm -hmm. I'll never, ever be alone. It is you. And it's you, right? And like things can go wrong. And like some of the later books kind of explore like what happens if like a person like hates their own demon. It's like, oh, they hate themselves. Or like Mrs. Coulter and her, Mm -hmm. her monkey. But like, yeah, what made me sad, like the... The part where this episode failed me, and I really liked it, but it was really disappointing after they get out of the severing cage, the mm-hmm. machine. She doesn't hug Pan. She doesn't even look at him. She goes yes. and looks at Mrs. Coulter. Yes. She just It yes. was a great moment for mother-daughter relationships, mm-hmm. but that's not why I'm watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. I also kind I, I understand why she shouted mother, but after she got out of it, like you said. I I am very upset at the fact that the um lack of Pan and Lyra mm-hmm. interaction. Right? Just like through the whole series so far. It's yeah. really starting to to show it seems. Like it's like Ash and Pikachu have a better relationship. <laughs> and Pikachu like says one word. <laughs> yeah. It's his own name. Don't understand. But yeah, okay. I I, I agree. There's not. Although I did feel really bad for Pan when they grabbed Pan and he like threw him in. Oh, he threw him in. I was like, oh, you was like you, he yeah. was, you could have set him gently down. He wasn't doing well. Right. Also, can we talk about Pan as um very um chonk fox? Oh, I love oh, so I love cute. Snow Fox. He's so cute. Yes. If I if I had a demon, it would just go from chonk to borb to chonk. <laughs> Just round things. Just fat cats and foxes. I just want to do this all the time. That was uh, that was my last note, so delete that. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I I love him, but yeah, I agree. I think that there's it's weird because there's not a lot of dialogue, and when Pan sees Rogers' uh, demon too, they're just like, "Hey, we can't talk. Bye." Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Goodbye. Sure. And this is such a missed, like, say whatever you want about HBO's, like, creative team missing the mark. Like, they're missing the marketing mark. Mm-hmm. Would you not 100% if they had a focus on this, like, Baby Yoda by Chonky Fox Pan in every single form? Because I totally <laughs> yeah, you sell would. so many different stuffed animals and call them all Pan. Especially if this is, especially since this is... Clearly, I felt like this episode in particular too felt more geared toward families because there were so many children mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, like especially then, you know, I think that that's that would speak more to children than you know her talking to Mrs. Coulter about yeah. stuff. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch all those and kids. All Pam. <laughs> and all their money. <laughs> Question, guys. Yes. If a witch could have just taken out everybody in one go, why didn't they try that at the very beginning? Thank you. Yes. That is like an eagle thing from Lord of the Rings. No, this is no, this is very different. This is very different than the eagle thing because the eagle thing is a lot of different shit. Those eagles would have been shot down or whatever. There's so many things about the eagle. That's a totally different thing. The eagles are their own people, and so are the uh, the witches. They don't have to help. No, the, they don't people. have to help, but she was going to help. What's her name? Uh, Serafina. That's what I was going to say, but then I was like, am I just saying that because of Aquafina? I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Aquafina Pecola. That's the crossover I need. It, I, if she was on the show, I oh would God. love it. Her as her a witch on this show? Fuck yeah. This is exactly my problem with the show, the overarching like feeling, not just this episode, but like, there is no humor in the show. And the books have moments of humor. I need the yes, relief. Yes, there are. Yep. It's it's all Lee Scoresby. It's just Lee Scoresby. Yeah. And he yep. he's only in like four scenes. My, my sweet. But he steals sweet all of them. Right. Because he he's funny and we need that. And he looks so And humor, humor does not undermine your show being serious. I'm no. sorry. I just... Why are they taking notes from DC and not Marvel? <laughs> That's an You're not excellent, wrong, excellent point. If Lynn was in more than four scenes, I think he would steal all of the show. That's true. Yeah. It would probably be too much. I would buy so many Hester dolls, though. What does HBO care? God, the Serafina and Lee continue to be like number one, Bay one, and Bay two of the show. But, like, so, but yeah, so Serafina comes in, and I understand that probably took her. 
didn't take her that long to get there. Maybe it took her a while to, you know, struggle with her conscience. But at the same time, they're, they've been fighting this whole time. They had, you know, in the hallways, all this running. They had to implode the machine. All this stuff. And she could have just come in and just ghost armied them. Like, she, right? So the books, they're not that. They're not, like, they came in like fucking dementors. They just were like, here's some smoke. Well, it You're was all just gonna her. Die. Yeah. And it just, no, that's not actually what happened. In the book, there's like hundreds of them and they're all like shoot and arrow. So I get it is like whatever CG, you only want to CG one witch. And and you know what? I'm fucking fine with it. It looked dope as hell. And she's super hot. It did. I just it felt it felt like why did we watch this whole battle up into this point? Why are there a million Egyptians there that, that does going up question. to the middle of the Arctic when she could have just done this the whole time. Oh, also, can we just really quickly talk about the very brief and kind of unnecessary scene where they're they're getting their sledges over like the mountain pass? Why did we need and to see that? And I just kept expecting like oh. the voice of Saruman yes! to come booming over the mountain. Oh, you this you have to go to the <laughs> mine of Moria. Yeah, right? I literally said that. Like Legolas pops his head out of the snow. <laughs> What's your elf eyes see, Lee? Yeah. <laughs> uh, his costume was still very good. This They're episode. like, let's just use this uh, CGI from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, let's just yeah, do that. Just some drone footage from New Zealand. I'm, That's what I'm saying. If they need to set the scene, fine. But they don't need to set the scene and pay Lin-Manuel Miranda to manhandle a sled. Like, at least give them <laughs> lines. Like, come on. I, I, I'm assuming it's all to indicate that they're on their way. But, yeah, like, yeah, really yeah. We did, knew didn't that. need to be this weird Lord of the Rings knockoff. It was. And, and, and they were on their way. It was a... It was a treacherous, it was a treacherous journey. Yeah. We knew that when the guy who was peeing almost died or did die. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what peeing Yeah, also, okay. He did die. So Lyra gets kidnapped from the Egyptian camp and they bring her to Bolvanger in like a, a day. A day, yeah. And somehow it takes the Egyptians five times as long to get there. Granted, there are more of them, but... They mm. took they took the safer passage, they decided. I guess. I guess the, the Tartars could just jump over that. They didn't have to bring up. Mm-hmm. No, even as I'm saying it, it's stupid. I hate it. No, it's stupid. I don't know. There, maybe there was a, a big flock of crows guarding the pass and they had to go the long way. Eagles. Doesn't, doesn't track, but you know, whatever. Uh, and then at the end, I totally thought that golden uh, the golden monkey was on top of their- I did too, to be honest. Uh, and I knew that was true. flying thing. And I was like, oh, no, get that monkey off there. <laughs> and then it was just something making Babadook noises. <laughs> yeah, that was another moment where it was like, oh, yeah, a British guy just made up a plot thing. Yeah, well, what were those called? They're cliff ghasts. Yeah, they're like they're like flying monsters. Oh, yeah. They're like flying monkeys. They're like flying monkeys. They actually reminded me of flying monkeys. Evil lemur- lemurs. Yeah. yeah, they had a very Wizard of Oz vibe yeah, to them. Yeah, somewhere between a lemur and like a gigantic blood-sucking bat. Yeah. 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 We don't want those. No. And then, you know, then Lee was lost Lyra in about five seconds. You got to child lock your vehicle, sir. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> First time father mistake. Should I only be openable from the outside. <laughs> exactly. A child's seat was not rear-facing. God. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm a little mad that you know Lee's deep love for Lyra is literally revealed in a conversation with Serafina Pecola. It was very much a tell not show, but you know what? I just, I don't care. He's so charming. He made, he makes the lines work. He does. I thought it was kind of sweet when he said something along the lines of, "I thought you were gonna offer me money and not love," and I just thought that yeah. was so sweet. That, that actually was, was really beautiful. It was very cute. That whole conversation is great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Even though I don't like child prophecy stuff, I found that charming. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you felt about all the prophecy in this episode. Don't love it. <laughs> Still don't love it. I'm just, Got I it. don't know. I just, it's hard for me. I'm not, again, I love Harry Potter, so mm. I can't really speak to it. But I just, I always feel like. Literally a, a book based on prophecy. Yeah. But they are belaboring it here. Like Harry yeah. Potter doesn't get into yeah. the chosen one sure stuff you don't forget. too much during the books. It's just when Dumbledore pops up at the end and is like, "BT Dubs, this is going to be an issue." BT Dubs, you're going to die. Right, right. And you knew that he was. You knew he was like marked his. He marked his foe at the beginning, right? You know, like it was. It was a thing. I don't know. I just. I just. Whenever I think mostly it really. 
rub me the wrong way because it the literally the first first screen, the first frame of the show was a prophecy foretells. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Prophecies don't foretell. But uh, no, it does it doesn't bother me that much. I just um I guess uh, you know, I maybe maybe they feel we need motive for us to care about why they should care about Lyra and why they should trust her. Mm-hmm. So I understand that you probably wouldn't normally trust a, you know, 11-year-old kid. Right. And like why aren't they sending this 12-year-old home? Yeah. So I get that. So that makes it makes sense. I just always, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's an easy out. But at the same time, you're not going to trust a 12-year-old who's not prophesized, am I right, kids? <laughs> Twelve-year-olds don't know shit. Don't listen to Sarah, kids. I wasn't sure that that's how you should be firing a pistol, though, Lee. At the end, there. I I did really like the the detail that Lyra and uh R- Roger actually covered their ears. It's like it's so very rare that you see characters actually like that's true. covering their ears with gunfire in shows and movies yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It was like guns are loud, right? That's and that's an old gun. So that's mm-hmm. Josh odd. was like, how many shells does he have in that <laughs> six shooter? I actually I actually counted. He actually did this the correct amount and then reloaded. Oh, oh. Nice. All right. Well, I will tell Josh that he was wrong. Yeah. He might have he might have shot Good he might have shot he might have shot one extra, but I was like, okay, I hate when they do that when they're like 40 shots, but he shot yeah. I believe he shot I think he shot eight rounds and then reloaded. Okay. Well then it, it's wrong. No, look like you had eight. I'm pretty sure it was a six six shooter. You sure? Those, okay. The the ones with the barrels can have eight. The ones where they go the I, yeah, I clearly don't know enough about guns, but I do know enough about having to do research for writing projects. I maybe maybe I was wrong, but I I felt like I felt like it matched up when I looked, but maybe not. I don't know. I literally I don't say, care. I just want to prove Josh wrong. <laughs> okay, nice. I support you. I, that's one thing that bothers me, like continuity wise. The editor. The editor, that's something the editor should catch. It's just a weird, it's a weird, an editor, a good editor will catch that kind of thing, I think. But that's just me. The editing was very good this episode, actually. Um, but also, I kind of got, I kind of get nervous when people, you know, shoot guns in a hot air balloon. That is true also. Yeah. yeah. I don't love it, but also, you gotta assume he's been doing it for a while. That's true. Yeah. But he was just, he was just kind of like just shooting everywhere. I was like, you're gonna just. There's gonna be a hole. I mean, the, Yorick literally roasts his aim at the end. Where like he's like, "Oh, there's none left. You must be getting better." <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I liked that. That was funny. My one question, uh, my other question was, how do you get a, a polar bear into an air balloon? Yeah, lots of gas. You ask kindly. <laughs> mm. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> no problem, guys. That was a very good dad joke. That's what I'm here for. No, I liked, I liked, I mean, again, I think it would have, I think it could have not ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. But, you know, I thought it was kind of fun with those creepy crawlies everywhere. Yeah, it's okay. I just, like, it made everything else feel really rushed. Yeah. If they had, the whole show is a little uneven in terms of pacing and dialogue Mm. and stuff, um, which is surprising. I think it made the actual core of the excitement, which is their fight at the detention center um less kind of less important even though it was still very important but it was just like here's another crazy thing that's gonna happen and it wasn't this is a this is the pinnacle this is this is a huge part of this story you know it just felt like another sort of bump in the story yeah especially the way she says goodbye to ma costa who's just like "Eh, you got other stuff to do we're good we're good Deuce is out. Also, I'm taking Roger for some reason. Makos is like, I don't care. You're all orphans. <laughs> yeah, doesn't Roger have parents? Yeah, why did he not? Why did she take Roger? Roger does not have parents. Oh, no, Roger doesn't. He's an orphan. He's an orphan. Yeah, yeah. No, I say that. I don't know. I like how I like how we, she said Egyptians are coming and Roger's like, hell no, they can't come. <laughs> Roger. Prejudice. I like the, the subtle tension between Makosta and Lord John or yeah, Lord Fa at the end. So the was, tension or is that them getting friendly? That's what mm-hmm. I meant. I ship it. They're holding hands at the end. Hashtag ship. They were they were holding hands. Billy was their child, right? No. No, just her child. Oh, I thought that it was his child. Too. They were holding hands at the end though. 
That changes that changes how I view things a little bit. I really thought that Billy was their joint kid. I don't think so. I think you're pro I mean, you're definitely right. Yeah. I just made that fiction up in my head and was thinking. Change my mind. I don't know. Write the fanfic. Yeah, the the father is never present, so maybe. That's what I figured. I thought he was just an emotionally vacant one, you know, or pretended that he wasn't or like he knew he was a father but didn't tell Billy, you know, like it's mm. sort of an Azrael sort of situation, but not. I don't know. We can't have so much it can't be blanket. Like, all of Britain at least has to have one decent father. <laughs> I don't know. Just one. You sure? Hey, Hot Priest seems like he was a pretty good Hot dad. Hot Priest seems like not a being good part. dad. But he's not from there. He's from other Britain. Hmm. All right. I guess I'll give it to you. Oh, Hot Priest. He He's a British adjacent. Uh, Maybe, maybe... No, we really haven't really met that many good dads. Got a lot nope. of bad dads. <laughs> a lot of bad dads. In there aren't show. good mothers either, though. There aren't any good. No, Ma Costa's pretty good. Just Ma Costa. Yeah, that's fair. But then again, she's like, "Okay, bye, have fun, bye." Yeah. I mean, it's not her kid. In fairness, so we also don't see her other kid in this episode. We don't see Tony at all. I don't think he's coming back. I gotta. I gotta be honest. I think he served his plot purpose. Yeah, there's no point now. Steph, you had a question like three conversations ago. Did we address it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, I couldn't remember if the book addressed uh, the kids, the severed kids. Oh, and I don't okay. think it did. I think we we see the demons and we don't see the kids. I think there's just like a throwaway line about how the Egyptians like bundle them off somewhere. Yeah. 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 Anyways. It's not great. Now the Egyptians are like, we don't have that much food. We don't have that much room. <laughs> we live in we live on boats. Where are we gonna put all these kids? They don't live on boats now. They live on sleds. Well, they're probably gonna go back to living on boats unless That's they've true. really changed their life. I wouldn't you went wrong for them. You know, for some kids in the middle of nowhere. No, you're coming back with me. We're living on the river together. Yep. Yeah, they are so where are the demons gonna go? A demons, excuse me. So so <laughs> I'm assuming that, I mean, maybe it's the wrong assumption, but will we ever see how, will they ever attempt to rejoin the kids with their demons? Don't know. That's never addressed. I would be curious to see what the show does with it, because um, they did at the end take the demons in the little crates. Yeah, in the cages. Because um, I feel like that would be a really interesting sort of commentary on the idea of maybe being a part of a religion or something that tries to strip you of your being and then succeeds in it and then trying to regain who you are is kind of an interesting mm -hmm. psychological and, you know, metaphysical, mm. existential sort of thought. Mm -hmm. Not that I think that they're going to address it in the next two episodes because they got to fight off the Babadook yeah. flying <laughs> monkeys, but... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they touch on it at some point, though. But it'd be, I, yeah, I'd maybe be in the future. Yeah. They, have, they have to create some other seasons, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. if this is getting any decent sort of viewership. So apparently um, it's getting really good viewership in the UK and not very good viewership in mm. the US. It's like 8 million people in the UK and then like half a million here or something. Oh, damn. That makes sense to half me. Half a million. Interesting, interesting thinking about the viewership, though, of this in, in yeah. different countries. Because I, I was curious. It'll be interesting to see if it changes, too. That's true. I'll keep I'll keep an eye on it. But. Am I giving my demon for the episode? Yeah. Let, oh, right. Yes, demons. Thank ah, you. My shit. brain. My demon for this episode is a little baby pug. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it's got big watery eyes, just like Roger that cries. But also, someone comes near you, you're gonna bark your head off. And you know what? You might not win, but a witch will come save you. Somehow that didn't really make any sense, but that's it still made perfect what sense. I understood what you were going for. Thank you. We're on the same very tired wavelength. Okay, I give this episode a snake. Ooh. Uh, because it was very coiled and tense. Ooh. And you didn't know exactly what it was going to strike. And also because it tried to cram way too much into <laughs> a small space. Like, ah <laughs> Love it. I wish people could see. That was very the good. visual that we got. For the listeners at home, I shoved my <laughs> fist in my mouth. It was like she unhinged her jaw. Yeah. So this is the second week where you've had a snake. I just want to point that out. Eventually, I fuck. I did a snake last week too. 
Well, last week I remember because it was so good. Also, it was a different snake metaphor where if you look at it head on, you don't see a lot, but there's a lot going on in the background. Mm-hmm. No, I think that was maybe two episodes ago. Was no, it? Okay. Last week I gave it was a dog because I said it was a That's big right. wolf. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I because I was gonna say I don't remember the other snake, which means it was the yeah, episode okay. that I was not present for. I had one. Um, I would say that this is a leopard because it sped ahead. Ooh. Way before uh, any of the book shit happened, and that's where we are. Okay. And yet we saw no Asriel, mm. despite the leopard. Yeah. Fine. We still didn't see James McAvoy is what you mean. I give this, my demon is James McAvoy's sweater vest. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I love that so no. much. Uh, the demon that I give this episode, I think just like a... A big, chonky bear. Like, there was a lot. Oh, yeah. It was very fierce at certain points, but at some points it just wandered into your backyard and was like, sup, here's some <laughs> trash. I'm going to go through it. So There's just some trash. You yeah. really didn't like this episode. <laughs> no, I did like it. Bears are cute. She did. There's nothing wrong with bears. 99 95% of it was like fierce, awesome bear doing the thing. But then sometimes the bear just wandered off track into like picking up a sleigh <laughs> or Will being at home for no reason and yeah. being like, hey, look at this pool. I'm going to go for a swim because I'm a bear and you can't stop me. <laughs> I like it. Oh, if good. I could have picked it, I would have said this episode is a Snorlax, but I don't think we're going there. So mm. I like it. Either way. All right. Uh, who wants to plug things? Bajaya? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ethnic Ninja, and you can also also, <clears throat> also find me at um, PotterPod for your Wizard Harry and uh, Wintercrest Pod. Nice. Steph. Hi, I'm Steph. You can find me on Twitter at Steph O. Kingston and also on the Love to Hate podcast and the SHU podcast. Sarah. I am and will remain Sarah. You can find me at Twitter at HerLadyTompkins. You can also find me with Bajaya on PotterPod, so you're Wizard Harry. And you can find me on Twitter at OladdyGirl and also on... The Descent into Avernus on Tuesdays, live stream and soon to be podcast, maybe. (laughs) And you can find all of us on geeklyinc.com. And thank you for listening and downloading and subscribing. Mm. Good night. Bye. Steph, your kitty cat just... It wasn't 
My kitty her cat? Big, her big old kitty cat? Oh, that's my Finn. Dog. That's Finn. My big furry goldfish who's he's trying to make a nest out of the fitted sheet because the regular sheets aren't on the bed. Oh. He's trying his best, though. Oh, my though. goodness. He is so yeah. cute. He's still going. Blanket. He's still going. He's, he's like, Mom. Mom, help me. He's so Mom, cute. Why no burrow? Need burrow. That's what my sister's my sister's dogs are um, are obsessed with going under blankets and now he's just oh. staring at me like I and did after wrong. oh he's like mom I was doing it just fine you didn't have to help me you didn't have to help me I didn't want your help mom God after dinner is what my sister and her boyfriend call it blanchette hour which means that the dogs just want to go under blankets <laughs> and if you don't have a blanket they will try and crawl into your clothing because they're like we just <laughs> need to be burrowed into something. <laughs> I was I was like, why are they doing this? And she's like, oh, it's Blanchette hour. My biggest aim in my life is to go up to Maine and or Vermont, New York. You almost got it, New York. Go to New York and visit her sister, who I've never oh. met before. No, it's fine. You know, that's fine. Dogs yeah. and blankets is a, it's a sacred bond that that transcends a friendship, love, marriage. It does. Dogs and blankets, man. That's where it is. The blanchette. So um, that makes sense to me. Half a well, I think I think I think it. I want. I think it premieres on Sundays in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some spoilers, which is probably a big thing. Um, yeah, Mondays. Are Mondays weird are hard. Um, and also it's a British story. You know, yeah, kind of makes sense. And British or Philip Pullman is like a public intellectual in Britain in a way that. Okay. It, he and certainly very few people are here, so right. Well, and Britain loves their their personality. Like pe- British people, have, there's a cult of the British people, you know. So we like way this that, um, stodgy old white dude. We want to pet yeah. his little head. <laughs> it's just like in a way, it's like it's like <laughs> I love that, but it's also you know of every other. I feel like for Americans, I think it's hard to understand, and I don't fully understand it that because our popular culture and media is so prevalent throughout the rest of the world Mm. it's hard to understand having a sort of your own media in a way i just remember my irish roommate her mom used to send all of the irish gossip magazines to her once a Mm. month and they had these whole world of celebrities that i just i like i watch a lot of tv and a lot of movies and including a lot of i mean not that this part of the uk anymore but it's still including British media, which is adjacent to Irish, you know, media, I'm assuming. Yeah. But still, it was like, I don't know any of these people. So I can imagine that it, this would be something that would be bigger there. As a non-Canadian, or sorry, as a non-American, I can confirm <laughs> Oh, yeah. Anything that's, like, homegrown, you're, like, you kind of support it. Like, you yeah. want to, it's, it's, there is a lure there. Like, I try to engage in canadian things and like you get excited when you see like a really like good high quality canadian show and and stuff like that because it's yeah because it's special and it is it is it is nice to have something that's your own yeah and not just have american stuff that you try to identify with i get it is is ryan reynolds like identified as a national treasure does he like a little plaque for his cards Does he have a plaque? He should. It just floats next to his head. Ryan Reynolds, Canadian. <laughs> also, my love, Dan Dan Levy. Oh, babe. I just love, I love me. <laughs> yes. Robbed. Robbed of Golden Globe nominations at Shit's Creek. Oh, dude. The Golden Globes were kind of a shit show They're this kind year. of a shit show this no year. No one thinks it's... Uh, although, I celebrate Hot Priest. Good job, Hot Priest. Everyone else... Celebrate yeah. Hot Priest. Celebrate Moriarty. Succession. I can't remember his name. But, like, it's weird that he got it and, like... Fucking, uh, the, oh my god, what's the director's? Phoebe Waller-Bridge didn't. Phoebe. She, she didn't? didn't? Yeah, she did. No. What the no, shit? She, got, she, got, she, she didn't? She got, she got, she got, uh, for I think. acting, but acting, not directing, But not directing, yeah. Yeah. I. Did she get it for writing, though? she there wrote no, Country Down. It was, right Fleabag was nominated for Best Comedy. Yeah, but there were but no there female were no directors No nominated. female directors at all, yeah. I will right. burn well, this country down right now. I just. Though I think that, that director Bong deserves it. That's just my feeling. For what? He did Parasite. For Parasite? Yeah. That was I good. have never incredible, watched it. Incredible, incredible movie. But Fleabag was great, and I will burn this country yeah. down. Like, so, considering she won fucking five Emmys, 
for that, and she's not even nominated for a Golden Globe. Like, what it's the mess. fuck? Mess. So, um, Sarah and Christina, I guess, be ready to die in a fire. I'm I'm, I'm always ready for that. Okay. Good. Although I'm, I'm hurt that you don't want me to start setting the fires. <laughs> We will set the fires together. Thank you. I'm glad we're friends. That's, That's all I ask. Sarah, do you wanna? Do you wanna like? I'll bring the petrol. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the petrol. So we're insurrection. We're wrapping up, I guess. <laughs> I, yes. I guess we're. I guess we're planning a return to. Well, we don't want to go back to Britain to our overlords. Yeah. No. You can come. Come hang out with us. That sounds yeah, we're kind good. Of, will. We're kind of cousins, right? We're basically you, but nicer, better, better, and nicer. smarter. I always tell people, Canada is America with its shit together. Yeah, it really is. Mostly, yeah. mostly, <laughs> not one hundred percent, but we got a lot of the things that you, that you need. But enough. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Bite me. So we got political. So I think it's time to 